As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Dr. Tim Jordan back here with you for a brand new episode of Raising Daughters. I appreciate you stopping by here and listening to these podcasts. And if you're the kind of parent who wants to have better conversations with your daughter, better meaning deeper, to get into their heads, into their hearts a little bit more. Also, if you are tired of saying every day when they walk in the door from school, how was your day and getting a blank stare or an eye roll and them stomping off to the room. I think you will appreciate this podcast and find it valuable. I want each and every one of you listening to this podcast to be and remain an influence in your daughter's life. Sometimes we don't know how to quite get in the door. I heard a really good story years ago about uh, this circus in England a long time ago. And they were trying to attract more spectators at this uh, circus and slash zoo. And so they bought an elephant from India. And at first, the elephant was a huge attraction. They were attracting big crowds. But then the elephant, after the first few weeks, started to get very sullen and very angry and wasn't responding very well. And then it started getting aggressive. It started charging at the, at the trainers who would come into the, into the cage with him. It was making these loud noises. It was very aggressive and physical. And so they didn't know what to do. And they tried everything. And finally, the, the guy who owned this zoo um, decided, you know what? I guess we have to put him down. He's, he's a danger to even the people who are coming up to watch. So because he wanted to recoup some of his money that he had invested in the elephant, he decided to have a spectator event where they would put the elephant down. And it drew a huge crowd of people. And so the people were all huddled around this cage, and the man came forward, the zookeeper with his gun. But before he went into the cage, a, a small, sh short little man in little brown, with a little brown derby hat walked up and said, let me, let me see if I can help you. Just give me a minute in the cage with the elephant. And the zookeeper said, there's no way this elephant is dangerous, he's aggressive, I don't want to be account uh, held accountable or because of you know anything that might happen to you. And so the man said, I'm willing to, to, to sign anything, a waiver, whatever, to, to keep you out of any trouble. I just think I can help. So the guy said, fine. So they drew, really quickly drew, wrote up this really quick contract, which would ups uh, keep them out of any uh, liability if in case anything happened to the man. And the man handed his derby to the zookeeper, opened the cage door, walked in, closed the door behind him. And the elephant saw him and started making those loud, angry kind of noises. 
The man stayed very calm, and he started talking to the elephant in a very soft voice in some language that the people didn't understand. And the elephant acted like it was going to charge him and hurt him, but the man kept calm, kept talking to him in that, in that dialect. And slowly but surely, the elephant started to quiet down, started looking more and more peaceful. This little man kept walking closer and closer to the elephant until he was right next to him. He started rubbing the elephant behind his ears. He rubbed his trunk. The elephant was making these kind of almost like purring sounds as if he was, um, you know, be, was happy and joyful all of a sudden. And the man talked to him for a while. Then he took him by, the, by his trunk and walked him slowly all around the cage several times. And then he walked back to the door, opened up, and came back out and closed the door behind him. And the people were like amazed, like, what did you do? We've been trying to control and tame this elephant for weeks and nothing worked. I don't understand. And the little man said, that elephant is not from your country. The elephant is from India. And none of you knew his language. I happen to know the dialect from that, that area of India. So I just talked to him in his, in his native language. He said, this elephant is not crazy. This elephant is not aggressive or dangerous. This elephant is homesick. I suggest you find someone who knows his language. And I think he'll do just fine. And the man took his derby, put it back on, and just walked through the crowd and walked off. And the people were like, who is that guy? When they looked at the contract he had signed, they saw, the, they saw his name, which was Rudyard Kipling. I think it's good to know what, in what context are your kids more likely to talk to you, to open up. I tell parents, every kid's got a different key to a door into their hearts. And every kid's different. And so coming up to them uh, when they walk in the door from after school and saying, hey, how was your day? It's probably not the best time or the best context or the best way to get anything out of them. So I learned a, a, a great idea from one of the dads at one of our father-daughter retreats. I've, I've met him several times at some retreats over the last several years. And he, uh, all, the, all the participants at one of the last retreats got my book, She Leads. And he really enjoyed it. And he's got, he's got several daughters. So he said, I took some of your ideas and I made them into this, this little, I had this little piece of paper. I wrote some ideas about, you know, you know, some of your steps about how girls can keep their power. And every night at dinner, we, we uh, everybody gets a chance to say one example from their day of something that they did to keep their power. And I thought, that is a great idea. This is a very thoughtful man. I've spoken to you about this before, but I'm going to repeat a little bit. I think it's interesting in our culture about who gets the most attention as being leaders, who gets the most attention, who, who are our heroes. When I ask girls who are the heroes in our, in our country, in our culture, they always say the same thing that probably most adults would say, which is our first responders. Soldiers, firemen, policemen, uh, professional athletes. Those are the people who we, we have decided those are the heroes. Those are the ones who have the most courage. They're brave. If I ask girls who gets the most attention and who are the, who are the biggest leaders in your school, most girls will say things like the student council president, uh, the team captain, oftentimes the best athlete. They might say the queen bee. Who, may, who is leading, but in a negative way, but she still gets lots of notice and lots of power. They'll also say things like the prettiest, most popular girls. Um, oftentimes, it's also girls who are kind of racy, uh, kind of in trouble a lot. Those are the ones who are seen as being the leaders. 
And yet, just like all those those heroes we talk about, first responders, etc., most girls don't fit that mold. There's only one student council president. There's only one team captain. There's only one queen bee, if you will. And so I want to expand their vision of what it means to be a leader. I want them to, to redefine other ways of being a leader and being strong and being brave. Because in the movies, when kids watch movies like um, oh, like uh, Hunger Games, etc., the, the, uh, the, the character Ray in the Star Wars movies, a lot of times the hero heroes or the heroines in those movies are, are a girl, a woman who stands up to physically larger opponents. They're in battle together or they're in battles, you know, showing their mettle. Most girls are not going to, you know, be able to show their courage in that kind of way. So we've got to start recognizing and identifying examples of courage and leaders in real life stories that do it differently. For instance, let me give you some examples of other ways that girls lead and are powerful. How about the girls at school who don't give their power away to other girls? They stand up for themselves and they stand up for other people. How about the girls who don't care what other people think about them? They dress like they want. They have interests that they want to have. They uh, like to hang out with the people they want to hang out with. They don't care what other people are saying or doing. They're true to themselves. How about the girls who don't let words and gossip get to them? They aren't triggered by it. They stand above the fray. These are girls, how about the girls who don't get involved in drama and gossip, who step back and say, I'm not playing those games? What about girls who include other people? They're kind to people. They notice if somebody's sitting alone and they do something about it. How about the girls who can handle their conflicts directly and peacefully? And they can set boundaries and hold other people accountable. There are, there are some girls who can do that. A lot of girls have a hard time with that. But to me, the girls who do that are incredibly courageous and incredibly powerful. How about girls who make everybody successful and bring the group together, as opposed to the queen bee who gets their power by excluding people and being mean to people? How about the girls who are their friend's confidant, that mature girl that everybody goes to when they're troubled because they're good listeners and they're mature. They're really good about meeting other people's needs. How about girls who aren't afraid to make mistakes? They aren't afraid to fail. They, they like to take risks. They push past their fears and they go for it. So I think we need to start looking for examples of that in our daughters and affirming those. Notice those. Sometimes it's, it's more quiet or behind the scenes, but I think we need to bring that to light so that a lot of girls can see themselves in those examples I just gave. A lot of girls can. And if they can see themselves as a leader, there's more likely that they will become more of a leader. So <clears throat> what my friend Bo did and what my wife Ann and I did is we, we created a little, bit, a, a little bit more full list of some questions you can ask around the dinner table every night. So instead of saying to your kids uh, at the dinner table, how was your day? Let me, let, me, um, let me tell you some other things you might be able to ask. They have to do with girls being courageous and being leaders. Like, for instance, I, there's a list of 11 ways that, that are 11 things that girls could decide to talk about at the dinner table. Like the, my friend Bo has each of their daughters pick one. Say, this is something I did today. One of them is, did you, were you able to not let words bother you today? Talk about that. Were you able to avoid peer pressure? 
Were you able to handle a conflict directly and peacefully? Did, can you give us an example of something you did today to set a boundary? Did you take a risk today? Did you get out of your comfort zone and try something different? Did you uh, talk to some different people today? Try a new activity, try a new club. Today, were you able to stand up for yourself or other people? Tell us about that. Were you able to advocate for yourself today? Did you put your needs out there as well as listening to other people's needs? Were you able today to make another person successful? Did you serve as a confidant? Did you bring your class or your group or your team together? Today, did you help another person in need? Those are more specific, direct questions that girls can pick one and say, yeah, you know what, today I did this. So if they can start identifying those things in themselves, they're more likely to repeat it. A lot of girls who I meet, and I think they're moms and women as well, have a hard time talking about themselves in a positive way. So this also gives them practice to be able to say, this is something that I was able to accomplish. And to get more comfortable doing that instead of saying, oh, no big deal. I don't not really didn't really do much. I don't know. Other people did it too. To be able to just own their power, if you will. So I'm going to list those questions I just went through in the show notes. So just go to my website at www.drtimjordan.com and they'll be listed. There'll also be a link. My wife uh, put these things together and she has a really pretty background. Uh, on some kind of a laminate kind of paper that also has a sticky side in the back. So you could actually stick it somewhere in the kitchen where you can see it during dinner so that you, you know the, the questions are there for you guys to, to talk about at the dinner tables. It might also be a fun thing to do during the holidays because there's going to be a lot of get-togethers in the next few months, Thanksgiving, the holidays of different kinds. Um, it's nice, I think, to have something to talk about besides gossip <laughs> or talking about other family members or things like that. A couple years ago, my wife and I put together something we call dinner dialogue cards. And it's these little little index cardy kind of things, but they're small in a box. And there's, I think, a hundred something of them. But they're really kind of insightful, probing, deep questions that you can ask at the dinner table or the holiday tables as well. So you can get past things like, you know, what's your favorite dessert and talk more about th- more about personal things, more about things like their values, things they've experienced, etc. So you can also check out that link that's, that'll be on my website and also in the show notes today because those are also good conversation starters. So the dinner dialogue cards and also this brand new, you know, this one page, one side of these questions to ask at the dinner table that go beyond how was your day? I think once you get past maybe the initial awkwardness of it, I think what you'll find is your daughters will like it and your sons as well, by the way. I think it's nice to learn about each other. And by the way, mom and dad answer the questions too. Which one of those did mom and dad do today, if any? So I think everybody learns more about everybody else and they become much more comfortable with those kinds of conversations. At camp, we talk about the difference between all these conversations an Aldi's conversation versus a Whole Foods conversation. Meaning a deep, more fruitful, insightful kind of conversation versus just the the typical superficial, gossipy kind of stuff. So you can teach your kids to stretch and have more Whole Foods kind of conversations. And you can do the very same thing around your holiday dinner table when the relatives come over. You'll do a good job of listening to your daughters. You'll hear a lot that you didn't know about from their days. 
you'll find more things you can affirm them about. And I think then because of these kinds of conversations, they're much more likely to come to you when they have questions or problems. And you will thus remain an influence in their life, which I think is so critical for your daughter's development. Girls, when they get into middle school, high school, I don't think they push their parents away. I don't think they hate their parents. I think sometimes there's conflicts. Sometimes they want more privacy. Not sometimes, oftentimes they want more privacy. And some parents, I think, interpret that as she doesn't need me anymore or she doesn't like me. And so the parents kind of shut down. And that is not what girls are saying. They're saying, I need my space. I need my privacy. And so if you want to talk, we need to make sure it's in, in a context that agrees with me. It's not when I walk in the door from school. We need to find another way for us to have the kind of time where I feel comfortable and safe talking about stuff. It might be going out to breakfast in the morning before school. It might be taking a walk after dinner, just the two of you. It might be when you tuck them in at bedtime. And also it might be times like at the dinner table when you start um, having these deeper conversations. So I hope those ideas will help. I hope you can get way beyond how was your day into much more fruitful conversations where you guys can all learn more and more about each other. Mom, dad, brother, sister, very health, healthy, very fruitful. And also it'll give girls a better sense of they are a brave, courageous person. They are a leader. It just looks different than what society is telling them heroes and leaders and brave people look like. If you like this podcast, pass it on, please. I really appreciate that. I'll be back here uh, in another week with a new podcast. Enjoy your fall and enjoy your dinner your dinner table conversations. And remember, those that list of those questions will be on my show notes. So just go to my website at www.drtimjordan.com to get those. And or the link to the, the actual um, laminated card that my wife made up for you. Thanks so much.